and welcome to Jurassic Park for a minute where we're discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel one minute at a time. I'm Brad. And me. And today we're back to discuss minute 43 of Jurassic Park 3. David, uh, this minute and the previous minutes we've sort of discussed a little bit about uh, the raptor communication between the um, between the animals on Sauna and there is a fantastic little article over at Jurassic-pedia.com um, put up by Trenosaur TJ um, which sort of goes into a little bit of the... Uh, Velociraptor um, communication between the species. So that was Ty that put that up, so head over there and check it out. I think one of the interesting things about the raptor communication is how consistent it is. Like, you could almost map throughout the films the various things that, and the way that the various, um, I guess, sounds that they make kind of correspond with a specific kind of intention. Mm. And we even we see it as far back as the first movie when um, the raptor, the first raptor enters the the kitchen, and she clicks her claw her on the floor, and then uh, I think they mentioned the director commentary or something like that that this was intended to imply like a sort of nonverbal communication between the other raptor, a way to kind of keep tabs on the location across the room. Mm. And then we see it brought back in Jurassic World when we see Blue enter the frame the first time that the raptors are introduced. We see Blue enter the clearing in her enclosure, and the she taps her claw, her claw, and the other three raptors come up behind her. Yep. Yeah, well, that was one one question was going to be, and we'll definitely get to it when we get to Jurassic World at the end of the year, but. Just how much to gain the vocalization, especially there, as you said, with the the toe tapping and the um, the the chatter between the four raptors <laughs> that we get in Jurassic World, and and then to the Indominus too, when that whole scene happens. So, and just how much it sort of mirrors what we've seen previously in the franchise. Then, of course, another one is the bark that mm. kind of the tortoise sex noise, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they make a barking noise that um, is brought up in the first, again, in the first movie, when you see the raptor at first enter the room, she rears up and starts barking. Yeah, yep. And then you see the other raptor come up behind her. And this has always been a sort of, like a over here, or like a come here kind of... Um, or even like an, uh, an, an alert kind of um, noise, because we see the Jurassic Park 3 raptor make the same barking noise when he exits the um, the embryonics uh, complex, and then we get a, the shot to the other raptors, as we discussed in the previous minute. And it's the other raptors start turning their heads and start like getting into formation, and it's very interesting how consistent this stuff is, you know? Mm. Yep, no, agreed. Hopefully it continues <laughs> when we get some in Jurassic World for as well. Especially since uh, Blue's on the loose. Mm-hmm. And the possibility for more raptors to um, come back, created by different people. I have a theory that there are two kinds of boys. There are those that want to be astronomers and those that want to be astronauts. The astronomer, the paleontologist, gets to gets to study these amazing things from a place of complete safety. 
But then you never get to go into space. Exactly. It's the difference between imagining and seeing, be able to touch them. And that's that's all that Billy wanted. All right, Dave, ready to get on minute 43? Yep. All right. As we ended at 41 of Jurassic Park 3, Paul, Amanda and Billy had found refuge in the treetops. Billy had asked the others, have they seen Grant? As we start minute 43, Grant runs through the jungle, waist high grass, already separated from the others. At the 8 second mark, we cut back to Paul and Amanda up in the trees as they look down Udesky, lying motionless on the ground. His right arm twisted backwards, painfully. Paul says, oh my god. Amanda yells out, Mr. Udesky, Mr. Udesky, but he doesn't move. Billy calmly says, he's dead. At the 17 second mark, his arm slowly moves. And Amanda says, oh my god, no he's not, and starts to climb down towards him. Paul and Billy try to stop her. Wait, wait, something's not right. But Paul's saying, we've got to help him. As Amanda starts to climb down the tree, a branch she's holding snaps. And she starts to fall, tumbling from branch to branch, before seemingly her legs get stuck, and she falls backwards, hanging from a branch, looking down at the ground, just as the velociraptor male and female spring their trap, and come running in, and jump up and snap at her face. At the 34 second mark, Paul and Billy arrive by her side and help her up, and she's safe back in the top of the branch. Billy scoffs, they set a trap, they actually set a trap. At the 42 second mark, we cut back to Grant looking for some grass. As another pair of male and female raptors, but most likely the same animatronics, are barking at each other, calling back to the others that are with Udesky. Grant watches on intensely, asking himself, What are you saying? What are you looking for? The two raptors' barks are answered by the two raptors back at Udesky, and the female runs off into the jungle. And as the minute ends, the male bends down and takes Udesky's head in its jaws, and twists. As we open on minute 43, we cut to Alan running through the jungle, Billy's camera bag in hand, he takes a moment to look down, or look back to see if he's being followed, and then turns forward again and continues running. It's sort of weird here, it looks like he's starting to do something with Billy's bag. At first thought, I thought he was opening it, but I think he's just sort of re-clipping the strap together so he can put it over his neck. Um, um, yeah, I think so. I it, I do like the uh, set foliage in this shot though, mm. where he see we see Grant kind of enter the long grass. Maybe he shouldn't have done that, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't there that time. <laughs> no, he wasn't. But yeah, the set foliage is very strong in this uh, shot here. How it goes from open plain to set to this uh, long grass and then into the jungle. And then you can see the streams of light coming in behind uh, Sam Neill. And apparently, according to Behind the Gates, they accomplished that look by kind of like stuffing fog machines across the set. Then opening hatches in the the roofs of the the studios of the sound stages which allowed sunlight to filter in and kind of create this real-life kind of fil- a filtered sunlight look. Wow. Yeah, you get those beams of light coming through, as if they are coming through <laughs> a canopy of trees. Yeah. 
That's awesome. And while we're on Billy's camera bag here, Grant, as well, one thing I didn't mention, that whole um, scene when they're in the lab, um, Billy's got his camera in hand, we, he's never actually got it back in his camera bag, like we mentioned last minute um, in the script, I think it was, that he sort of reached in to get his camp roll film out without um, anyone seeing. But even um, as they're running from the Raptor, he's got it slung around his, sh- his shoulder as well. But once they get outside the Ambionics Administration that camera's gone, so it's been dropped um, somewhere as they're running, fleeing back through the building before they get to the front again, so it's sort of odd, or it's never brought up again what actually happened to his camera. Mm-hmm. We cut back to Amanda and Paul and Billy up in the trees and they look down on the fallen Udesky. Um Paul says, oh my God, before Amanda calls out his name, um, and they have been moving from tree to tree in the direction of Udesky's screams from the last minutes, which that sort of says in the novel that in the script that the um the trees are sort of interlocking branches and that and they it wasn't easy but they were able to move between the branches in that direction but we don't really see that here they, it looks like they're just in the one tree and they go from one side to the other and see Udesky lying on the ground. Um, no, I do know that there was. I think they shot that though for the movie because I know there's like production stills of them kind of walking across the branches and kind of moving tree to tree. But Amanda calls out his name again. Billy sort of pretty much says, "No, he's dead." And um, we look back down as his arm begins to move, and <laughs> Amanda yells, "No, he's not!" and starts to make her way down there. And we sort of get the line from Billy, wait, wait, something's not right. Um, so he's got a little bit of a spider sense there, and suddenly the branch that she's holding snaps, she begins to fall and sort of topples slash bounces <laughs> off some uh, branches, and that falls down and comes onto one last branch and sort of slides over it backwards, and her legs somehow manage to hold almost gymnastics-like. So this is nearly our second gymnastics mm. scene on Sauna. Now, I do kind of have a problem with the way that this scene is shot, just because the trees look so fake. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they look, it looks like they're, um, like, especially when um, uh, Amanda first falls off and slips off the branch, and we see the interlocking branches, and it's just, I mean, you could almost see the set wall behind the vines that they have set up there. But worse still is the fact that very rarely do you get trees that like to interlock like this. Trees like their space. They do not like to share space. And so you'll know, you'll see trees that grow specifically to avoid other trees. Yeah, if there's any space there, they'll grow. They'll grow at a complete right angle out of way as long as they're growing into <laughs> an open area that their leaves can get the most sunshine and rain. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and so I kind of have a problem with these large, large branches interlocking like this together. Because yep. trees just don't grow that way. No, prime examples you see on the beaches all the time, like palm trees bending out out over the beach itself and away from the rest of the trees inland. Mm-hmm. A similar thing there. And I suppose the other thing is, too, she's taken a tumble here and she's not... Okay, she might be semi-physically fit, but... You're sort of you're going to get the wind knocked out of you. You're going to be hurting as you go down here and having the ability to hold on like this, and not your first reaction coughing or 
um, in pain where he says she just sort of looks looks down as the raptors approach. It, it, it doesn't. Um, she's not acting like someone that's just taken a fall like this. No, I've um, I have taken a fall like that before. I I was about seven or eight when I fell out of, about twenty feet out of a tree and. When you hit that ground and you hit it hard like that, I mean, you you just get knocked out for a second and you you don't even feel the pain at first. You're just like you feel you see the treaty birds flying around your head. <laughs> well, that's it. It completely knocks the air out of you and uh, just yeah. that yeah that moment of just shock. Um, you're trying mm-hmm. to process what just happened. Um, Yes, yeah, so <laughs> falling out of trees for uh, young boys was quite common when I was growing up. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think. There isn't really any other um, sort of times in the franchise where you have someone falling through trees, is there? No, not that badly. You've only sort of got Grant and Tim fall slash climbing down. <laughs> Yeah, they do like a like a controlled fall out of the tree. Yeah. You know, just basically swinging branch to branch to get out of the tree as fast as they can. Yeah, yep. But um, as she hangs there, we get the male and female. I'm going to say male and female because it's definitely that grey, that grey raptor on the right here that sort of doesn't have the quills. Um, yeah. It's it's you can see the male and I think the male goes in for the first bite and then the female goes in. Yeah. Which I know it's because it's two of the main animatronics they got or CG renders they got because we're going to get them here and we're going to get the same pair over with Grant in a minute as well. Um, I think, but we'll get there in a minute. <laughs> but they immediately start <laughs> to jump up, snapping at Amanda's head, and I do love just that point of view shot as they come up and just snap. You see those teeth <laughs> in clear in view. It, if you weren't um, oh, yeah, if you weren't panicked before, you'd definitely be panicked now. I remember being a kid and seeing that in the theater and thinking, "Whoa!" Mm. You know, I mean, I mean, when you're when you're eight years old and you see a like a fifty foot inch screen in front of you with raptor teeth filling the entire shot, you, I mean, you're pressed back in your seat. Yeah. You know. Yep. And it was the same feeling like when I seen Jurassic Park for the first time when I was ten, and seeing that raptor come up at Lex. It's similar, similar thing. Like here, you have someone in mm-hmm. peril, and this raptor's getting insanely close. <laughs> but they leap up a couple of times, each sort of getting higher and higher a little bit. But Paul and Billy arrive down the lower branch and help her back up. Um, and it's you sort of the raptors stop jumping here, and they sort of go into that attack pose as they back away like they just their heads come down low to the ground and they snarl as they sort of back back over towards Udesky's body and sort of Billy sets it spells it out for us they set a trap they actually set a trap which which is the line I hate most in this movie because mm. I mean like so what the other raptors in the other movies have set a trap before us that's not a really a big deal I mean it's a big deal for him but it's it's this the line feels like it's kind of directed more at the audience, and it doesn't really need to be spelled out because we've seen raptors do that before. We saw it in the first movie when the raptor goes after Muldoon. Yeah. He's, they have the one raptor, and then the other rap, and then raptor comes out of the bush. 
And then they do it again in The Lost World with the, um, when Sarah and Kelly are digging underneath the wall of the kiln house, and they, then the one reactor is attacking the door while the other one goes around the back. And even the long grass as well. Yeah. Going in. But even this film, they've just done it with Amanda at the Ambronics with the tank. Um, mm -hmm. That Raptor was waiting there. Now, it should have had some company to help out, but it was there by itself. Um, and we see it again at the end of the film where they think they're running to safety and the raptors spring another trap there as well. So, yeah. No, I do get your point there. It is, it's, It just seems forced, and again, they're just trying to tell us, instead of showing us just how intelligent these raptors are. Mm -hmm. Which they must have... They're like We know raptors have great eyesight and that, but they mustn't have... Um, very good hearing because we cut to um, some grass as the camera moves over to one side and you've got the male raptor standing there and the female calling out again. Again, that is the female here on the right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which... yeah the female is the one, it's like a, almost like a grayish white, mm. like an ashy white color. And then she has yellow eyes with red with red circling them and black striations across the body and legs. Okay, well I've made the the bad assumption here that there's only one female in this pack and she's the head of the pack and you've got half a dozen males, but this obviously clearly shows there's more than one female. Yeah. That's actually a very very common misconception, something I didn't even realize until after watching the movie a couple times, that there's two females and then several males. Mm. Because we actually never see the second female. We never see the two females together, which is interesting because they're obviously part of the same pack because they're both hunting this one group for the eggs. But, you know? but they do have separate eye color. Is that what you? Yeah, they okay. do. Because it'd be naturally if they've only done up one animatronic at a female, you're only going to see one female at a time. That's what I was sort of alluding to before, but and that mm -hmm. might be why they're um why we can see two separately, but never two at the same time. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, there's only ever one animatronic, but there's evidently, according to the movie, two individual female actors and part of this pack which would make sense considering the egg count oh, I mean, yeah. not one <laughs> that, that, all eggs. that poor female if <laughs> she was the only one well going off i what we i think there was seven seven or eight nests of 13 12 to 13 eggs is that even two females or is that more i mean there could be but like i said we only ever see two in the movie mm. And we never see the two together, which is kind of strange. There's only one female that's part of the pack uh, that corners them at uh, near the beach in the at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Grant's watching them closely, all sort of all uh, fear and caution thrown to the wind. He's sort of doing a bit more of his um, research here. What are you saying? What are you looking for? As they're calling to each other, sort of. The fear's gone. He's more intrigued about what these animals are up to. But we cut back to Udesky. The male and female call back to the others, and the female runs off into the jungle. And the remaining male bends down and picks up Udesky by the head. And you can see my, Michael Jeter's eyes here opening, like he was awake when this rap, when this animatronic picked his head up. Is it the animatronic? I mean, I 
kind of I can't tell because I mean it doesn't have the all the um all the electronic electronic bits that usually come out from between the legs to kind of run the oh, electronic. Yeah, because it's full body. Yeah. 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 But I do like the shot of the female that we get before that. And then the uh, the ensuing shot of the male as well. We see the female blink, which mm. is really cool because it's not. I mean, usually they don't show the animatronic. I mean, the CGI models blinking a lot. Yeah. And then we get that n- a nice close up on the male's head, and you can see all those bri- nice, beautiful colorations. Mm. As the minute ends, the uh, raptor sort of twists its head in a single motion. Much like we've seen mm-hmm. with the Spinosaur and the Trinosaur earlier, and Udesky falls to the ground limp. Wu must have put some sort of uh, ninja neck-cracking ability <laughs> into the DNA, into the animals he cloned, because it seems to be their preferred way of killing people. <laughs> I kind of felt like the um, what he was doing was ripping out the back of his spine. Because mm. you can kind of see him chew on something and swallow it before uh, before running off. Yeah. Well, that's where this film could have got a lot darker and where um, the script starts to take a little bit of a deviation from what we see in film. So there's a little bit more here than normal, which we can get into. As I said before, the tree branches are described as being crisscrossed, creating a second level above the ground. It's not easy going, but they can move amongst them from tree to tree. And While Amanda and Co are moving amongst the treetops, we cut down to Udesky, unable to walk. He attempts to crawl away from the animals, um, the effort effort clearly causing pain and strangely the animals no longer seem interested in him but instead of standing um but instead standing and talking to each other and Udesky is surprised that he's still alive and then suddenly one of the raptors slashes at him again but it's not a fatal blow it's just a more painful one and he cries out louder this time and then that sort of gives information or the um that gets Amanda and co to get there quicker and they arrive in the trees above him but the two raptors are gone as we see in the film Amanda makes goes to make her way down but Paul um, grabs her saying it's not safe and Amanda says we have to help him and Billy says sort of the right thing a predator wouldn't leave a kill wounded which again this is the first time we've seen raptors leave people alive <laughs> after attacking him Rem- uh, Amanda retorts it's not a kill he's still alive and that's when the raptors spring their trap and they're angry that it didn't work. Um, before Billy says he set a trap, um, Paul says they couldn't climb the tree, so they'll try to get us to come down. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that um, <clears throat> that in the final film you can actually see the branch that Udesky was brandishing against the raptors. It's near his uh, legs mm. in the final film, but... So yeah, the the scene was filmed, but unfortunately, just never, never seen. Right. On the cutting room floor, <laughs> but the raptors are bored of waiting, so they finish off Udesky and make a meal out of him. Um, the other watch on horrified and sickened, which that could have been interesting if we'd sat there for five minutes while they ate him, even just the crunching of bones <laughs> and seeing Paul and Amanda and Billy screwing their faces up at what was happening below. But as the raptors run off into the jungle, um, it's Paul that asks, where's, where's Grant? Elsewhere in the, jungle, in the jungle, Grant's climbed a tree. He's only a few feet above the raptors, um, and they're all sort of standing around the tree watching him climb. 
He finally reaches a perch they can't jump to, but the raptors watch him quickly, or watch him quietly. Then they, um, the lead male barks at him, and the others start barking also. So it would have actually had the raptors here, you know, seeing him up in a tree and trying to get to mm-hmm. him. But as terrified as Grant is, he can't help but be fascinated by the communication. Um, and then we get that line, what does this mean, what are you saying? And ready to ditch Billy's camera bag so he can climb higher, he realises his hand's covered in a runny slime. He looks down at the bag and realises it's a sauce that's oozing out of the bottom, and he unzips the bag to find a broken raptor egg, so we get the reveal of Grant finding the raptor eggs a lot earlier than what we do in the final film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that there's only one other intact egg inside, not three, that Billy had in the film. In the movie, it's two, it is two, but both of them are still intact in the movie, in the final film. Oh, okay, that's right, because Amanda uses both hands, okay, to get them out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I thought it was free. <laughs> but yeah, Grant realizes this is what the Raptors were chasing, and sort of breathes, "God damn you, Billy." <laughs> it's, it's I haven't read further ahead, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they come back together. If anything's going to be said about it or not, mm-hmm. we don't get that reveal until later in the film. But ever the scientist, Grant tries to test a theory even in the face of danger and sort of holds up the intact eggs so the raptors can see it and they all go wild. Um, Grant talks to himself, so that's what you want. Give us the eggs. We want the eggs. And he gently drops the bag to the ground so they can retrieve the egg, but they seem to still want him dead. <laughs> they don't leave, and they all start begin jumping up for him. Hop. It's weird. It says he's hopping on each other's backs where... It just seems cartoony if the raptors are going to be leaping on each other's backs to try and get higher yeah. and higher. Um, but eventually <laughs> they will reach him, and Grant makes the climb higher when a branch he's standing on snaps with a crack, and he looks down as the raptors realise he's about to become their meal. And then a small canister lands at the base of the tree, but we sort of know what that's going to be, and that'll be next minute. Lastly in the novel, Alan and seen Billy and the others moving off in a different direction. Billy called out to him, but um, Billy yelled just to keep uh, Grant yelled just to keep on going, and he knew that they'd have to split up. And then we immediately cut to chapter seven, where Grant's already up in the tree, and the sun's low and beginning to set, and it would soon be evening. Um, Blow a pack of raptors are watching. Um, he was just out of their reach, but they haven't given up on their watch. He studies them, wondering what they're saying. It seems to be the same calls over and over again. One raptor leaps up, almost getting his foot, and he looks up, wanting to get high, but none of the branches would support his weight. And that's when the branch you're standing on is cracked, or makes a cracking sound, and we see the canister hit the base of the tree again. So, both in the novel and the script, it's not what we see next minute in the film, where the raptors sort of pounce and again trap, set a trap. And Eric comes in with the gas grenades here. Grant sort of made his way up into a tree as well, and trying to stay out of their reach, but um, finding it hard as it must be a lot smaller tree than what the others are in. Just just because the branches are too small to climb higher without threat of breaking. Um, but that's minute 43. Anything else than that you want to discuss before we get heavy for the day? No, I think we're good. All right. Lovely. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the... Uh, pages there. David, where are we on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minute podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. 
Split up. I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now, what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters, nothing more and nothing less. Are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on earth or heaven could get me on that island. You desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Hello? Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! It's the, it's the dinosaur there! Okay.